T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Our next guest is from the BSO that joins us every Monday. He is Tom Porter, and he is the Legislative Director of Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America. Tom, good morning, and welcome back to the show. Good morning, Eric. Good to be with you today. There's a lot going on in the legislative world in regards to veterans' issues. One that I was you know, made very uh, clearly aware of coming out from IAVA specifically uh, was this new legislation uh, started by a bipartisan group, including Representative Brian Mast and Tulsi Gabbard, uh, Master Republican, Gabbard a Democrat, focusing on burn pits. And IAVA, as I understand, have been heavily involved in that. So what can you tell us about this legislation? Yeah, absolutely. It's something really big that we just started working on. Uh, tremendous amount of interest in our membership. Um, and I know that most of your members probably know what burn pits are, but for those that don't, I uh, just want to quickly explain. Uh, during the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, oftentimes you don't have recycling facilities or, or landfills that you can take your garbage to. So uh, the bases would have giant open burn pits where they would dump everything from medical waste to to the millions of plastic bottles that, that were used every day, uh, to discarded uniforms, uh, fuel, chemicals. Uh, people actually had to feed that stuff into the burn pits, and then people lived around those. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, so that's creating an enormous amount of, uh, of illnesses that, that stem from these, although there's not a link yet. Part of the issue is, as you said, you know, this is essentially doing what they do at incinerators and other garbage facilities and dumps in the United States. The problem is, for those who don't understand it, uh, those who have never heard of burn pits or aren't familiar with the issue, imagine if there was an incinerator at the dump and you were living in a tent about 50 yards away from it. I mean, there were people who were in situations like that or who their workspace was right where all this smoke was coming out from. As far as the burn pit legislation is concerned, and as far as the burn pit issue is concerned, do we have any idea what kind of numbers we're dealing with as far as those who have been affected for sure and those who we think may have been affected and may not be showing the symptoms yet? Well, the VA has estimated that as, as much as about 3 million service members could be eligible to register wow. in what they have now is called the Burn Pit and Toxic Exposure Registry at VA. You just Google that and you'll find it in the link and you can register for free and that you, uh, you list your deployments, where you were exposed and your symptoms. Uh, and then they're collecting that information to use later when they, they start treatment and research. Right. However, the problem is only about 140,000 people have registered in that registry. So we wanted to find a way where we could increase the, uh, the turnout of, of service members that are, in, that are uh, inputting their information onto that site. And so this bill uh, that we were working with Congresswoman uh, Gabbard and Mr. Mast on, uh, this gets right at the heart of that and adds accountability at the Department of Defense for the first time so that every 
periodic health assessment. As you know, uh, uh, military members get a, a physical each year where they l- check all the boxes. Uh, this is going to be uh, part of that assessment where right. they will ask the service members where they're deployed to and if they were exposed to toxic uh, airborne toxins during that time. And then if they were, then they'll be entered into that burn pit registry unless they opt out. It is, it, it's not compulsory. This reminds me a lot as someone who grew up uh, in the 90s, came of age in the 90s, joined the Navy in the 90s, a little bit of the Gulf War illness, Gulf War syndrome uh, issue that was going on there with the VA where a lot of people were showing symptoms of something that they thought might be related to the Gulf War and specifically to those oil wells that everybody's seen the images of or, hey, this is a veteran community we're talking to. Some of them saw it right firsthand in Kuwait and Iraq. You know, that issue was never addressed in the way that this one has been so far already. Uh, does that give you a good feeling as as far as how we will deal with issues like this in the future, that we're getting better at it? I, I hope so. And it's giving us a good feeling just by the feedback that we're getting just, just since it was introduced a couple days ago. Lots right. of people are asking questions on it. A lot of people are pretty excited about it uh, from the veteran community. It's, it's Wherever it's mentioned online, uh, you know, on Facebook, on any of our social media channels, um, it, it's gotten a lot of responses where you don't normally get a lot of comments in the social media comment sections. This is getting lots, uh, and, and people very interested in how this is going to go forward. There's a lot of disheartening stuff taking place in politics on Capitol Hill, uh, coming from all sides. How good does it feel to see a Democrat and a Republican, two people with wildly divergent uh, political uh, beliefs and political structures in Brian Mast and Tulsi Gabbard, coming together to work on this. I mean, how good does that feel to you? That's that's what we set out to do. And and these two are two dynamic uh, military veterans, great personalities, super communicators. Uh, both of them uh, have the ability to, to work across the aisle and they have compelling, uh, compelling me, uh, military stories too. Uh, and I think this is something that lots of folks can get around because it's a problem that the lots of people recognize in the military community. Uh, and it, it shouldn't cost very much money at all, if anything. So where you normally have uh, very uh, worthwhile issues that we work on in Capitol Hill, a lot of the times there's a reluctance because of the amount of money that it spends. Well, this, this isn't spending an enormous amount of money, probably next to nothing. So that's why it's going to be something that we r- really think a uh, great chance of passing into law this year. We're speaking with Tom Porter, Legislative Director of Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America. Tom, there are those out there in the political world, anything that comes out, there's going to be somebody who's against it. You could have a bill that puts forth like free smiles for everyone, and there would be some congressman or woman out there going, yeah, you know what, people smile too much already. Let's pop that one out. Has there been anything like that with this? Have you heard any uh, negative feedback or reaction to this since it was announced a few days ago? Uh, not not yet on the Hill, and this could very well be something in, in, in line with the Clay Hunt Suicide Prevention Act that we worked on and passed into law three years ago. I think it passed unanimously. So things do happen, uh, in the, especially in the veterans space. Uh, the, the veterans committees in the House and the Senate uh, most of the time operate on a very bipartisan basis. This bill isn't going through the Veterans Committee. It's part of the Armed Services Committees, and we're okay. getting really good indications, though, um, that, uh, that this is, is going to be a, a good and promising effort. 
How difficult was it to get those two sides of the aisle in Mast and Gabbard? You know, two Congress people, two veterans, both Army veterans. We've had uh, Representative Mast on the show before, and he, of course, said, you know, he was willing to work with uh, across the aisle on any issue that he felt that there was common ground on. Uh, what was the process like from IAVA's perspective on, right. on helping facilitate it? Yeah, right. We need more people like both of them. Both of them uh, uh, have no problem that we've seen working across the aisle uh, whenever they can to get stuff done for vets and, the, and our service members. Um, so both of them, uh, have that personal story where they know what burn pits are. They know what toxic exposure uh, exposures are and how it impacts them and, and their, their fellow uh, service members they were deployed with. Uh, so it's not somebody that just is uh, coming up to speed. They're a civilian and oh, burn pits are bad. Uh, okay. Let me make a speech about it. They actually know this and have a personal connection right. and they were really enthusiastic about getting, uh, getting to a place where we can move forward on something like this. And that is uh, really the key. And it's something that, you know, we hear people talk about a lot when they talk about politics and veterans in politics. The fact that uh, veterans actually make up a larger percent of Congress than they do of the general population, which is a positive thing. There are, of course, ways that we are underrepresented, such as on congressional staffs. But, you know, when, when Congressman Mast came on the show and Congressman Don Bacon came on the show, they both talked about uh, Senator Joni Ernst, the importance of getting more veterans in there, even more than we have now because of that ability to work together on things. And this would seem to be certainly a, a shining example of that, uh, particularly within uh, the veteran sphere. Does that give you hope that the veterans in politics might also be able to find common ground and work things out on things that are a little bit more controversial and maybe not focused on veterans so much? Right. And and th these are two examples of folks, along with the, the, the members that you just also listed, that all that do do great things for veterans in, in the military community. Right. Um, it's just that um, uh, you have a situation, and you alluded to it briefly, is that the, the, the percentage of veterans in Congress. In the 1970s, it was over 70% were right. veterans, and now it's down at 20 uh, so it's 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 changed Congress a great deal where mo the vast majority of members of Congress don't uh, have a military connection. Um, and we're in a situation these days in the American public where m where most people don't have a military connection. So you have these these young, dynamic military veteran leaders uh, and uh, Congressman Gabbard still serving, I believe, in the Hawaii National Guard. Yes. Uh, and so they uh, they are are uniters and they're they're communicators and they help. Uh, uh, educate their their fellow members of Congress on on the military life and, and needs of veterans. So yes, it's important. Yeah, and a lot got done by Congress in those eras where you did have a lot of veterans on there. Of course, a different era where you had so many who had served in World War II, Korea, Vietnam. Uh, there were uh, just a larger percentage of people who were veterans in the country overall, but 70% uh, having served in Congress, a number that uh, we may never reach again. But Things may be looking up as we look towards the election cycle this year, and we may see more and more veterans getting in there. We're speaking with Tom Porter, the legislative director of IAVA, and, of course, burn pits uh, legislation. A big focus for you guys right now, but certainly not the, certainly not the only one. Within the veteran community, uh, just late last week, the Mission Act of 2018, we started uh, hearing a lot coming out from the VSOs. And this is, of course, the act that is looking to provide funding for choice. It's looking to uh, provide caregiver benefits to pre-9-11 disabled veteran caregivers. Uh, what is IAVA uh, seen on this legislation, and uh, how big do you think this can be for the veteran community overall? Well, it's certainly critical. I'm glad glad you brought this up because uh, it, most of our, our listeners here probably know the Choice Program, but for those that don't, 
Um, due to the, the, the VA scandal that came out of the Phoenix VA a few years ago, we discovered that, that the VA uh, had, a, had a problem in, in, in treating people in a timely manner and, and in quality treatment of veterans. And so they created a choice program that essentially uh, for those veterans that couldn't get treated in a timely manner, that they, they were able to go out into the private sector, into the community, as we say, and get their treatment there. And so this is expiring soon. And so the uh, congressional committees are consolidating these outside care programs into one. And then that's going to hopefully uh, help veterans get the better care in a more timely manner. And, and, and then you have other provisions. Like you said, the, the pre-9-11 uh, caregiver problem is – Post 9-11 veterans of severely wounded uh, have a, a law passed a few years ago that enables them to have around-the-clock care. Um, that doesn't apply to pre-9-11. IAVA has always supported extending that uh, care to pre-9-11. It's just the right thing to do for all eras of, of our veterans. And so that uh, could pass very soon, uh, depending on the ability of both sides to come together on this on, on Capitol Hill. With this Mission Act, a lot of it seems to be the things that were removed from the omnibus spending bill. And we've talked to a lot of people about the reasons for that. There was a lot of political gamesmanship going on. It happens on Capitol Hill. We know that it happens on Capitol Hill. Uh, This looks like uh, trying to right that wrong, as a lot of people are seeing it with this Mission Act. And as you talked about the pre-9-11 caregivers, I think back to uh, Alexis Cornine, Coast Guard veteran who was injured, I believe, 1999. Uh, And because of that, just because she was doing something uh, two years before when she would have been eligible, she and her husband and their two children are not eligible for the same benefits that someone injured in the exact same way two years later would be. Uh, It's certainly something that doesn't seem right. And I'm glad to hear that IAVA is among the many organizations that see like, hey, this isn't right. We need to take care of these people. And, And we've got a lot of them to take care of too. Vietnam veterans, Korean veterans that are still around, caretakers that have been doing this with you know they've been shorthanded essentially for decades and now you know, over a decade as far as the post 9-11 generation comparatively you know this is this is a serious thing and i think could be a real game changer for veterans and that's what legislation is all about changing the game and making things better right absolutely and iava has been pushing along with uh, the uh, longer established veterans organizations to get the the care for the pre 9-11 veterans as well it's the right thing to do. It's a cost of war. We need to treat the injuries of, of our of our veterans of all eras. It's just it's just the must do. A lot of the times, the the major problem with any of these these uh, valuable bills is that it costs money and nobody wants to pay for it. Well, this is something that you just got to find the money for and, and get it done. There are, of course, no shortage of veteran issues. I mean, when we've talked to uh, various people who focus on these things, the list goes on and on. Kind of the biggest ones have been things like choice because we've been doing this for a year and funding has run out for choice, I think, three times in that time frame. uh, And they've had to have an emergency extension and all these things going on. So these are the things that we kind of are focusing on slash have been focusing on. With this being something that you spend so much time, what do you see on the horizon that you think is going to uh, affect vets a lot or that may be uh, beneficial or harmful to veterans legislatively that could be coming down the pipe? Well, that's the big thing is, is the uh, community care and choice and, and uh, the caregivers. That's really, really big. And that's what uh, the, the committees are really focused on. That's what, what we've been focused on with, with other VSOs. Uh, again, we talked about the uh, the Burn Pit Accountability Act. That's that's important. Um, 
But there's also another uh, pretty pretty big piece of, uh, of legislation that's gotten the attention really fast of, of Capitol Hill. Uh, it's, it's on the issue of, of medicinal uh, cannabis use to treat injured veterans. Right. Um, so a bill was introduced not too long ago that really promising. It's not just one party on the bill and the bill goes nowhere. This is this is uh, the the two leads are the chairman, the Republican chairman of the House Veterans Committee, Phil Rowe from Tennessee, and Tim Walls, the ranking member. So for the first time, you've got the two leads of that committee, and then so it's growing in co-sponsors rapidly. It's one of IAVA's top priorities, along with the burn pits, um, and so it, it may get 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 marked up or voted out uh, yeah. of the Veterans Committee as soon as next week. So it's something that our members really want to see. 62% of IAVA veteran and military members support medical cannabis use to treat uh, their ailments. It's a big. It is. And it's something that we've seen on a wide ranging basis that there are a lot of people in, I think, every veteran organization that's done any survey. It's shown a massive uh, positive reaction to this. If nothing else, then at least the research re- relating to medical cannabis, uh, you know, and uh, the VSOs, uh, you guys are not interested in uh, taking part in the discussion on whether marijuana is legalized nationwide, recreationally or whatever. This is specifically as it relates to medical treatment for veterans, right? And, yes. And, and, and having that discussion with people who, uh, you know, there, there are still those who certainly think of marijuana in a specific way. How, how do you think we can best... I guess make clear the difference in what the VSOs like IAVA are looking for as far as advocating for medical treatment versus the uh, the larger discussion on legalization uh, within the United States. Well, the main thing we want to do is help vets. And so the, the title of this bill is the VA Medicinal Cannabis Research Act. So it's clear that, that what this bill does, it's not legalizing uh, cannabis uh, uh, for everybody across the country. Uh, it does nothing to get into that that argument. What this is is because we've had so much feedback from veterans that say, this helps, this helps my PTSD, this helps my TBI, this, this helps the, my pain. Um, we need to, to find out, is it safe and does it really help? But VA right now won't do the research. And so this bill uh, establishes that they are authorized to do the research and then they can start conducting that and report to Congress back on what it is. Then the next step, of course, after that is is treatment after that, but we need to get the facts out first. These are all big-ticket items that we're talking about with Tom Porter, Legislative Director of Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of the... Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America. Of course, Tom has served in the United States Navy himself. And these are all things that, you know, there needs to be a lot of focus on. And a lot of them fall under the big six priorities for IAVA that you guys announced uh, just a short time ago. I know we're only in May, which sounds crazy to say that we're already over a third through 2018. How do you think progress is going on those uh, addressing those big six items that IAVA is focused on? Uh, we're seeing a lot of success. Um, you, you've got these two bills that I just mentioned. Um, those, those both are very promising. Uh, so we expect to see some action on those. Uh, we've got our, our, I know we've talked about it before, but our, our bill that's part of our She Who Born the Battle campaign to right. fill many gaps in care for, for female veterans. Uh, we introduced that uh, uh, early last year. It's bipartisan. It's been gaining uh, support and co-sponsors ever since. Um, we've, we've done lots of media nationwide on that. It's gotten a lot of attention. And I think because of that, it's driven others to want to find ways to fill gaps in women's care. Uh, so lots of individual bills modeled after our provisions have been introduced. Some passed into law. We just saw a lot of successes that were included in the omnibus bill 
Uh, that's great. So this conversation of, of elevating women veterans, telling their stories, uh, calling on Americans to respect their service, uh, calling on the VA to make critical changes, that's important. We're seeing successes there. Um, suicide prevention, mental health, that's always a big thing. Um, again, the uh, medical cannabis uh, falls into that. You've got initiative that we're seeing at the VA that, that Secretary Shulkin was working on uh, where uh, to address um, uh, gi- giving another year of mental health treatment to veterans once they leave the service, regardless of discharge status. That's supposed to be finalized soon. That's, that's big and, re- and really important. Um, you've got um, uh, military and veteran education benefits. We're always defending the GI Bill from cuts and abuse. Um, and uh, just just on the Hill this morning, talking with members of Congress about uh, the uh, the Higher Education Reauthorization Act uh, that's moving way through. We're trying to keep bad stuff out of that that hurts vets and, and cuts veterans' education benefits. So uh, VA reform again. That's a big umbrella issue. That's always something that we're campaigning on. It's it's beyond just firing bad employees and protecting whistleblowers. It's filling the gaps in care for women and veterans. It's making sure the VA works for everybody. So those are our, our top our top priorities. We're seeing successes all over the place on all of them. Um, it's hard to keep track of sometimes because um, we're a small team, but we've got a lot of energy and and we can be a, a lot of places at once. So much going on in the world of veterans and, of course, in the world of legislation. Uh, you know, there is no shortage of topics to talk about, but we can also talk about some more fun stuff. And that is, you know, there was an announcement <laughs> made by IAVA, which I don't even know if you saw this. This came out fairly recently. Star of one of the shows that my wife and I watched. We just watched episode two of the new season last night. Westworld. Jeffrey Wright is going to be at IAVA's 12th annual Heroes Gala up in New York City. You're an IAVA employee. Have you had the opportunity to go to the Heroes Gallery before, Tom? I have. Uh, the Heroes Gala is is our biggest uh, event for our, our, our biggest uh, supporters and our members, where we all get together on Veterans Week in New York City. It's a huge dinner. Uh, usually have a number of great headliners. Uh, our board members attend. General Petraeus is usually there. Uh, and so that's that's the week that, that we focus on veterans. So veterans is, is, is a whole week and even a month for us where it's most people – uh, it's just a Veterans Day. So our parade is that same week where we have uh, nearly a thousand people last couple of years uh, join us to march uh, down down Manhattan and celebrate veterans. So the gala, uh, the parade, and lots of events in between, really powerful events to be part of. And you should come up and join us one of these times. It's, it's a great event. You know, that actually takes place not too far from where I worked in Manhattan. So I could be a twofer. I could go back and visit my friends at 1010 Winds and yeah. also check out the IV. It's an amazing experience. Um, and, you know, you, you talk to veterans from all over the country. So many of them think it's 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 an import, so important that they'll take a bus, they'll, they'll hitch a ride, they'll do whatever they can to get to this parade because it's such a uniting event where everybody shares stories. We get all our members together for breakfast. We provide breakfast for hundreds of our members. And yet we sit and talk and get motivated together for a couple, two, three hours before the parade and then move out. And so it's super event. Uh, you and, and all your colleagues are welcome to join us. Well, and the civilian leadership honoree, this is pretty cool. This is a longtime IAVA board member I was reading about who I saw the name and I was like, well, I'm not sure who that is. And then when I saw where he works, it made a little bit of sense. It's Craig Newmark. Craig Newmark is the founder of Craig's List. Yep. I always wondered who the Craig was. Well, now I know it's Craig Newmark. So he's going to be the civilian leadership honoree. Uh, he's going to be up there. He's got the Craig Newmark philanthropy in 2016 that he created uh, to promote vet investment in organizations that effectively serve their communities and drive broad civic engagement and has been a big supporter of IAVA, as a lot of people have been. 
IAVA may be the youngest VSO, but you guys have made, uh, you've grown with leaps and bounds over the years and the support that you get from the, the civilian community as well as the veteran community. It's, it's really impressive. And that's what the IAVA Heroes Gala is all about. Really. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we don't uh, charge our members uh, dues. Uh, we think that they paid with their service. Uh, it makes it more challenging, of course, to, to pay for our operations, uh, but we're able to, to string it all together. Uh, we, we, we're lean, but we do a lot with a little. And it's people, uh, like great Americans like Craig Newmark, uh, that make that possible. He's got a tremendous interest in helping veterans, especially uh, improving health care for uh, filling gaps in care for women veterans. He's very strong on that. And so we're happy to partner with him, uh, and we're grateful for his support. If people want to find out more about IAVA, as you said, membership comes at no cost. Really, you can sign up. There are no dues available. Where do they go to find out about that? And then where can they go to find out about the legislative action that you guys are working on? I'm glad you asked. Uh, our our website is easy. It's IAVA.org. Uh, and then they can go to our section, uh, IAVA in Washington, and they can see everything that we do policy-wise and on Capitol Hill and with the administration. Uh, they can see our testimony that we provided to Congress throughout the year, uh, over the years. Everything is right there. All of the bills that I've just talked about, including the Burn Pits Bill, the uh, Medical Cannabis Research Act, the women's legislation, any of the VA accountability bills, that's all on our page. If you just Google IAVA Take Action, so IAVA Take Action, just Google that, and you'll see a page that makes it really super easy for you to contact your members of Congress. It takes about a minute for you to send a letter to your congressional delegation. So we put it all in one spot, and you go there, and you, you can read about our gala, too, uh, and learn about ways to attend. So it's all at IAVA.org. We do a lot on social media. Find us on, um, on Facebook. On, t- on Twitter, at IAVA on Twitter. We, we put a lot of our stuff that we do on Capitol Hill directly on Twitter throughout the day, throughout the week, uh, and Instagram. So all of those locations, you'll find out about almost everything that we do. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.